open up your Bibles to the book of Galatians, to the last chapter, chapter 6. And if you're using the, the Blue Pew Bible, you'll find that on page 975, page 975. You know, we've, we've been talking about the difference between walking by the Spirit on the one hand. This came out of Ephesians chapter 5. I've been looking at it for the past few weeks. And then living according to the flesh on the other hand. Two completely different ways of living our lives daily. And, and for those who were here last week, you may recall in last week's text that... Uh, Paul, right at the very beginning of chapter 6, Paul gave us very concrete examples of how to live as those who are spiritual. In other words, those who are indwelt by the Holy Spirit and who have submitted themselves to being led by the Spirit of God. And especially we saw last week uh, this kind of borne out in how we relate to one another. You know, I don't think there's a greater test, perhaps, of whether we are living by the Spirit, uh, whether we are submitted to God, uh, than that one right there, that, that question of how we relate to one another. Are we those who love one another? Are we those who... We saw this last week. Seek to spiritually build up one another. Care about the souls of one another. Set our, ourselves aside at times in order to bear the burdens of one another. Even willing at times to suffer injustices in the course of loving one another. This is spiritual living uh, because it comes to us by way of this, the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit that, that uh, enables us to live in this way, something that the rest of the world knows nothing truly about. Uh, it's the Holy Spirit who brings us a knowledge of Christ and a love for Him, uh, out of which we are enabled to love in this way. Not perfectly, of course, but in a way that's con that, that continues on and on and seeks to, uh, to deal with some of the sin that stands between us. You know, that's not the only thing here that, that Paul desires for us to know, though, about living by the Spirit. Paul is also anxious for us to realize that uh, the manner in which we live today is taking us somewhere. It's, it, it's accomplishing something for us. It's taking us toward a specific end, a particular destination. And, and you know, if I look over all the differences between uh, those who truly know Christ and, and the way that the world lives, this is a particular one that, that might be surprising to many because this is a thing that the, the world fails to, to recognize. Uh, and to think in terms of, you know, our family traveled yesterday to, it was a couple hours away, to Berry College. Have you ever been down there close to Rome, Georgia? 
and uh, it was for a cross-country, uh, college cross-country uh, race in which Caleb and Callie, and so Callie is, is well enough to, to run again. We were really happy about that. Uh, but Caleb and Callie ran uh, or raced in, in the, the race with a, a whole bunch of other people. Hundreds of people were there. And I'll tell you, out of that, that large group of people, both the men's uh, race that went first and then the women's that went after that, now what we saw as we watched was that every runner... I can't think of one that wasn't this way. Every runner had their eyes focused upon the finish line. In fact, they even ran their entire race in a way that was shaped by that finish line. Uh, I remember uh, overhearing after the men's race, overhearing a, uh, this was a young man from Barry College. They did really well. And the, they had the first, uh, and he was way out uh, in, in front. They, they did great, and he, he was excitedly telling people about the race. Uh, and the thing that he was focused upon, it was the time that he got for the race and how it ended. Uh, he was so excited about the finish line and what happened at the finish line. That's what really mattered. And, and that's what we saw in the faces of, of people as they ran down that, uh, the final stretch into uh, the finish line. Uh, we could see it uh, with, with faces that were straining and stressing and people were sprinting to try to get the best possible time. Yet you think about it. It was how they ran the rest of the race that got them there to the finish line. And shouldn't that be how we live our lives? So that more than anything, it is the finish line that matters and so we live our lives today in light of that, in light of the finish line, uh, thinking about that and therefore allowing it to shape the way that we live today. That's where Paul wants us to focus, really, as he's drawing this letter to a close. We've got one more week that we're going to spend in the book of Galatians, uh, but he, he's, he's, he's finishing things and he's, he's bringing them and us as well, home. And he's really uh, causing us to ask this question, or he is asking us this question. What are you looking for at the finish line? And how, therefore, are you preparing for that now? Because it's where you are now, today, what you're doing now, that will show itself in that end result. Uh, so look for that uh, as I read these words, just a few verses, Galatians chapter 6, I'll begin in verse 6, and I'm going to read through verse 10. This is God's Word. Uh, Let the one who has taught the Word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Please join me in prayer. 
Father, as we look at these words, uh, we thank you for your provision. Uh, we thank you that we can know as we read these words that this is, is not something that uh, we must generate out of our, ourselves. But this is something which you have provided for those who have trusted in the Lord Jesus. And, and so we pray this morning that you would open our eyes and open our hearts to be able to understand these things, to be able to take them in, to take the, the admonitions that are here and to apply them to our own lives, uh, that we might live our lives in the way that you intend and in the way that you have, have given through your servant Paul. Uh, we, we pray that you would do that work within us. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. You know, I've, I've made a couple of attempts in my life to, to plant things. And when I talk about planting, I'm talking about the green things that are supposed to grow. Uh, and, and I've done this maybe once or twice when I was, I was young, and I, I just uh, felt the need at a certain point or the desire to plant something and see what, see what happened. Uh, and then I, I remember when we were in Texas uh, with a couple of the kids, uh, we uh, planted a couple of things then as well. But I do remember that neither of these attempts amounted to anything of value. Uh, didn't really produce anything of value. And so I, I sort of lost interest, to be honest. Um, yet, if I think about why I wasn't successful in planting and then showing something on the other end, uh, you know, it's tempting to say, and I've said this before, we often turn to this kind of thing, we say, well, it's because I don't have a green thumb, right? And what we're saying is, it's because of something inherent in, in me, I'm just not suited for that uh, type of thing. But that's not really the reason, uh, is it? The reason is clear. It's because there was a very straightforward principle, uh, which I had not paid attention to, I had really discarded, uh, and it's this, that whatever one sows, that will he also reap. Whatever one sows, that will he also reap. You know, when it comes to planting things, what are we concerned with? We, we're concerned with what we end up on the other end. Uh, there may be some people who plant just for the sake of planting, but, but usually it's that they're looking for some produce. Uh, we're looking to what we will reap. And this principle says that you must play, pay close attention to what you sow. And that includes how you sow in order to reap. Now, that's not only to, if you think about sowing crops of some kind, that's not, not only paying attention to the seed itself and the type of seed, but also to the soil and to the nutrients that are in the soil, the amount of minerals that are in the soil, the location, the time of year. What's the temperature going to be like? Is it going to support growth? Uh, is wherever you're planting, is there going to be likely enough water? Is there going to be enough sunlight? Uh, is, is the depth of the good soil going to be sufficient for whatever you're planting? You know, and other things like, what type of critters might you have to worry about 
uh, over time. Now, I'm sure that there are many other things that those who are experts among us uh, could tell us about planting, the things that we need to, to, to pay attention, how we need to sow. Uh, there are those here, you know, a couple of people who have experienced great success in doing this on a regular basis and in planting during the right season and then realizing a, a, a bountiful harvest, a wonderful harvest year after year. And so what we see is this connection between sowing and reaping. That's a very important principle. Whatever one sows, that will he also reap. This is a principle that's been here with us ever since God made the world. And this principle holds true not only for physically planting things and sowing, but also spiritually. And it's to this principle that Paul turns as he encourages us to look to the finish line. Now, Paul here in, in this passage is not just saying, be encouraged because of the hope that is stored up for you. That's a wonderful truth. We find it other places in Scripture, but that's not the message here. But rather he's saying, if you are spiritual, if you know the Lord, if you have the Spirit dwelling within you, you're walking by the Spirit, then hear this, and it's verse 7. He says right in the middle of that verse, whatever one sows, that will he also reap. Therefore, he's saying, live your life today in light of the eternal glories that lie ahead. In other words, you, you need to know how you're sowing your life today by the Spirit, experiencing whatever that might bring as you live your life today. And that might, might be as it was for Paul. It might be persecution. It might be tribulation of different kinds. It might be uh, suffering, affliction, but all of that, live your life today that you will one day reap the blessings. And the blessings that he points to, the blessing of eternal life. Uh, and what we're called to do is to see these two as being connected. What you invest here will produce there. And so go ahead, Paul says. And, and so in such a way as to please the Spirit, and as to ultimately reap that harvest. Now the problem, of course, is that there is a great temptation today for us to live like those who are of the world. And how is that? It's to live today almost entirely concerned with the here and the now. You know, thinking back to yesterday, that, uh, that race that we went to, I, I can just imagine uh, what it would have looked like if people had run that race in that way. Think about it. The, the shot goes off at the very beginning, at the start. People start off, and then you see people kind of peel off, and they, they're beginning to uh, go over and, and, and try to pet one of the deer. There are a lot of deer there at Berry College. Uh, or... Maybe they're taking pictures. It's a beautiful campus. Uh, or maybe others are, are stopping along the way to, to say hi to those who are cheering them on. 
I can tell you one thing that we would not have seen if people were running the race in that way. Uh, we wouldn't have seen on the faces of any when they came to the finish line the agony and the strain of the race. But at the same time, they would have lacked the glory that was there with the finish line. And if you think about it, the glory that we are aiming for as we look to the finish line spiritually is beyond all comparison. And so in light of that, Paul says, so to the Spirit today. And Paul gives us in this passage three ways that, that we can do this. There, there are three P's here, so if you want, want to use the P's to try to remember them, uh, provide for spiritual growth. Secondly, protect against deception. And then finally, perseverance in doing good. Provide for spiritual growth. Protect from deception. Perseverance in doing good. First, he focuses upon spiritual growth. If you look with me at, uh, at verse 6, you know, this, this first statement that Paul has here, it's, it's almost like a separate little piece of advice that, that Paul is providing to his readers. And, and there are some who do treat it that way. They, they see it as not being connected to, really to what comes before it and what comes after it, as if it's, it's sort of disconnected, just a piece of, of wisdom advice. But others see it in line with what we have in verses 7 and 8, that, that Paul is speaking... Uh, about one aspect of sowing today in order to reap eternal life. And, and I, I agree with that view, and so that's, that's how we're going to see it this morning. Uh, Paul says this in verse 6. He says, Let the one who has taught the Word share all good things with the one who teaches. And he's pointing out here that Christ's church has a responsibility to invest herself in that which is needed in order to build up the church, in order for spiritual growth to occur. So that the, the as we see in 2 Timothy, so that the man of God, so that the woman of God uh, might be prepared, might be readied, might be complete and equipped for every good work. This, this is a fundamental characteristic of the church. You know, Paul is, is really pointing out here by saying this, uh, that the primary responsibility for pastors uh, is to preach and to teach the Word of God. Uh, he, he says it a little bit differently, just focused upon the church uh, in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3. Verse 15, he says that you are the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. That's what he's saying that you are, a pillar and buttress of the truth. That's what we are to be. What does that require? That requires accurate, and it requires regular teaching and preaching of that truth. And so in our passage, Paul is pointing out here certain things need to be in place in order for that to occur. 
you know, I think you could put this in the category of, of sowing certain things and, and preparing the soil. Uh, that you need to pay attention, we need to pay attention to the proclamation of the Word. And that involves sharing all good things with the one who teaches. In other words, certainly it does mean providing materially. Uh, and perhaps also providing in prayer and in other ways for those who teach, those who preach, those who lead uh, and provide the Word. Now, I'm not saying this because I'm a pastor. Uh, I'm saying this because it's biblical, uh, because we find it here and in several other places. And we could just say because it makes sense. You know, doing this, providing in this way, frees up the one who is teaching preaching, that he might do the proper preparation, that he might be engaged in ministering truly, directly to the people, understanding needs, involved in lives, but also bringing the Word and bringing the two together. And I, I, I say this sort of, or, or bring out this point, uh, partly, it, we find it here in the Word, but also, and you may not have run into this, uh, but I think if you spend time talking to people in the community in which we live, kind of the, even the wider uh, community throughout western North Carolina, uh, you'll find that there is a mindset that's very prevalent that holds up the tent-making model. You may know what I'm talking about. People will say, well, that's what Paul did. He earned his living through tent-making, uh, through a separate uh, job, and then he, he provided, therefore for his ministry so that he could minister to God's church. And so as the mindset goes, you know, this is a good thing. It's, it's desired that pastors should work another job and then really pastor on the side, as it were. Uh, now, I'm not saying there isn't a need for that. There is a need. There is a time for that. Uh, but it's often upheld as being a, a primary direction and a teaching that we have. But actually, if you look closely at what Paul said and taught, you, you'll find that Paul never held up this principle for others uh, to follow, but rather he encouraged the churches that he founded, even commanded them to provide material support for those who are to pastor them. And then if you go on to look at, at Paul's own practice, you'll find that he did receive support from some churches, in particular, we know about Philippi providing him support, but that his central work was that of planting churches. And as he planted churches, he didn't want, it seems, those who, who were young in the faith, who were in these churches that he planted, uh, to be burdened with, right away, with providing material support. Uh, yet, once the church became established and once there was leadership that was, was given, that was called, uh, and the church, were, the people were more mature, he taught that it is right then to provide for the pastor, to provide for the teachers amongst them. Now, I, I do want to point in saying this, that the issue here is not just paying the pastor or the preacher and therefore doing what is morally right. I think that's often how it's seen, but really Paul's burden here, it's one thing, it's the furtherance of the gospel. It's a building up of Christ's church. And he's saying that this can only 
be done or best be done by the regular proclamation of God's Word, and that requires men who are called by God and, and who preach the Word and who are able to dedicate themselves fully to this task. And I think that's the assumption that's behind all of this. But the real issue here is just that there must be sufficient material means given to accomplish that task. I think we often, in our world, we get into the uh, comparison of uh, we need to provide material means based on what the market might bear. But his focus here and in other places, it seems to be the furtherance of the gospel. And that is sufficient. And so he says here, there should be a sharing of all good things with the one who teaches. So that all who share in the spiritual blessings can likewise share in the provision for those blessings. And I'll tell you, I've got to say as, as one who is, is in that position as, as a pastor, what an opportunity that provides for a wonderful bond to form uh, as we're doing just that, a sharing of all good things with the one who teaches a bond between those who are providing and uh, the one or those who are, are serving uh, as well. And then out of that, the Lord provides for His church to be built up. And so Paul's admonition for those who are spiritual is to mutually share together in that giving, just as you share together in that receiving, so that Christ's church is built up. We sow in order that we might reap. And so as, as, as a body, as the church... We're not just standing still, but we're moving forward. We're constantly seeking to be built up because we are going somewhere. And uh, that's the picture that we see in Ephesians 4, uh, where Paul says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. Notice it's all going somewhere to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's where the church is going. And an important part of that picture is this sowing that needs to take place, providing for spiritual growth. So that's first. And then secondly, in this whole context of sowing and reaping, Paul says that we need to be protected from deception. Now, in this passage, Paul gives a very serious warning. And it's a warning against merely thinking that you are going to, to reap a bountiful harvest. Uh, you can think even though you weren't there of, of times when I have planted in the past with having in my mind, well, this is going to produce this on the far end. But there was something missing. And that's what Paul, that's the warning that Paul is giving here. There's a major, there can be a major problem with the, the, the what and the how you are sowing. And so pay attention to this, he says. Now, Previously, we, we learned about the importance of you know, paying attention to sin. And 
putting sin to death, that that is the, the work of the Spirit inside of us. Uh, it's a demonstration of the Spirit when we're able to see it inside of ourselves, that there's a recognition of indwelling sin. It may be small at first, but then there is an intentional drive to deal with that sin, to remove it, to crush it. This warning that Paul gives here has to do with what, what results when that's not taking place uh, within us. When sin is not really and truly being dealt with, but it's, it's just allowed to continue on. Uh, so Paul's warning is this. And this is in, in verse 7. He says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. Now that word uh, corruption, or, or, or first of all, considering what he said, the one who sows to his own flesh. The one who sows to his own flesh. In other words, the one who doesn't deal with the sin that is there. We are all sinners but the question is, is that sin being dealt with? Or is it allowed to continue on? And then, what does he, he follow that with? Will reap corruption. Now the word corruption brings to mind in, in the, the, the Greek the image of a corpse lying in the ground. And it's, it's decomposing, it's disintegrating. And so spiritually, this is talking about a particular destiny, a destination, one which is that of total destruction, uh, of ultimate and final death, what in Revelation 20 is called the second death. It's what results when a person experiences final judgment uh, and is found to be condemned, condemned to hell without the ability to reverse course. And so all that is in that word corruption. You can see here how, Paul, how, how important this statement is of Paul. He's talking about the finish line here, but a particular finish line. And it begins with these words, do not be deceived. Now here's the deception that Paul is talking about. Think about if you, if you were to plant a crop uh, in in a field in the springtime. Uh, and you assume that because you planted corn, and maybe you planted a great deal of corn, that you're going to get a wonderful harvest of corn when the summertime comes around. And so that's what you're thinking about. That's what you're, you're counting upon, is this harvest. But what happens when the reality is that you didn't pay close attention to that whole process of sowing the crop. Maybe the, the soil wasn't prepared correctly. You, you, didn't, you didn't do anything to protect against a certain worm that's found in that region. There were several flaws up front in, in, in the sowing process. And so this is what Paul is calling deception. Now, you think that one thing is true, that you're going to reap a great harvest, but in fact, the, the truth is that your sowing was flawed. Remember, Paul says, whatever one sows, that will he also reap. 
And so Paul's statement here is, do not be deceived. Don't assume something about what you will reap, that your destiny will be in Christ, if what you sow is lacking. If in your life you're living now in such a way that there's no real concern, there's no real urgency to deal with sin out of a heart that loves the Lord. For example, let's say there's a, there's a person, maybe someone in the church, uh, that down inside you know that you don't get along with. And if you were to look really deeply, you'd even see that you despise that person. Maybe, maybe it's just that personalities clash, but you keep on coming up with things in your mind that you just don't like. Paul is saying that as you continue down that path, with every contemptuous thought that you have, what are you doing? You're sowing seeds of destruction. Another example. Uh, say you're, you're married. And there are matters in your marriage, as there always are, matters of conflict. And so these come up between the two of you and, and time and time again, they, they continue to come up and, and you point fingers at one another. Uh, and it continues on and on and on like that. And Paul is saying that if, if you just continue in that way, allowing it to drive you further and further apart, but never looking to deal with your own sin, which has a part in that, that with, with every continual pointing of the finger, every time this continues onward that you're sowing the seeds of destruction. You're sowing the seeds of corruption. And that continues for every type of sin that's out there. It could be lust. It could be greed. Uh, it could be envy. It could be a self-centeredness and on and on. Whatever it is. Now you may think in your mind, I'm really not that bad. Uh, I have sinned, but we all have sinned. I'm no worse than anyone else. But Paul's point here is, do not be deceived. Recognize that when you continue on and on in your sin, doing nothing about it, that what you're really doing is, is mocking God. If you say that I am in relationship with you, that, that I know you, that I trust you, and yet you continue on in your sin, then you're treating Him with contempt. Yet in the end, what does Paul say? He says, and this should be a wake-up call, he says, God is not mocked. That in the end, there will be a reckoning. That such a mocking cannot continue. It can't remain. It must be struck down. Because whatever you sow, that will you also reap. If you sow to the flesh, then you will reap corruption. Now you might be saying... What about God's grace? What about grace that we find in the Lord Jesus? Doesn't that cover all of my sin? Now, the, the truth is that that question gets right at the heart of Paul's point here when he says, do not be deceived. Because although the answer is yes, that God's grace does cover, God's grace in Christ, it covers all of our sin, so that it's fully forgiven when we've truly trusted in Christ, it's wiped away, Yet inside, you have, if you have no true hatred for your sin, 
and you're not inclined to deal with it seriously, to recognize it, to put it to death, and you've got to ask the question, where am I in this relationship? Have I truly trusted in Christ? You know, Paul says, do not be deceived. Pay attention to what you're sowing today. So yes, that's a dark picture that Paul is warning against. But the flip side of that picture is a glorious picture. You know, when Paul gives that warning, he's, he's pointing out a particular destiny, isn't he? He's pointing out ultimate destruction, final death. But there's another reality that he also points to. And that's for those who are in Christ. That's for those who are being led by the Spirit. And that reality is that of eternal life. He's saying that's what this person will reap, eternal life. It's what we read about earlier in 2 Corinthians 4. Remember, Paul began, So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. He's talking there about the here and the now. He's talking about how we're sowing today. But look at what he says in light of that. He says, verse 17, uh, For this light momentary affliction, that's the now, is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. He's speaking there of eternal life. That's what Paul says that we will finally reap if we sow to the Spirit. And what is eternal life? You may have thought about eternal life as being it's that place in which we are living eternally. But actually that's not biblical eternal life. It's not simply just living eternally. It's living in the presence of God, knowing God, walking uh, daily face to face with God, experiencing the joy that can only come from truly knowing our God and being together with Him in His presence. This is eternal life. This is true life. And so we are called to heed this warning of Paul so that we will not miss out on this eternal weight of glory which is beyond all comparison. And so today we, we provide for spiritual growth. Today, we are to protect from deception. And then finally, today, we are called to persevere in doing good. And this is another mark of the indwelling of the Spirit. Uh, it is that which leads to eternal life. There is provision by God for continuing on and on and on and persevering. And Paul says in verse 9, back in our passage, he says, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. And Paul is reminding us uh, of something that he's already shown us previously. In fact, he's shown us in different ways at a couple of different times that through the Spirit that we are given a new source out of which to live, a source that continues to provide and, and continues to, to feed because it's not within us. Remember last week we talked about this as well. Now, it comes from the outside and it feeds uh, and it, it continues to provide us with the ability to sustain us in doing good. You know, when it's us that is doing good, 
we're drawing from an empty well, a well that will eventually go completely empty. We grow weary. And we have to ask the question, are we really doing the good that we are called to do? We will fail to continue forward with the good work that is before us. You know, this is, uh, is something that's so common uh, amongst those who serve God, and especially with pastors. I read an article been a few weeks ago, it was in, I, I think it was in uh, Christianity Today, and it said, this was kind of the headline, it said, there's a crisis within the church today. And then it went on to talk about pastors who were leaving the church in record numbers, and the main reason that it pointed out was because of a burnout uh, and because of anxiety. And the article presented uh, this problem in terms of, of all the pressures that are upon pastors today. And it talked about things like COVID. It talked about things like you know, political issues. And it, it talked about other matters within the church today. Uh, one thing that was missing in the article, it failed to take into account what, what Paul is saying here at the heart of this admonition. And, I, and I'll tell you, this is a challenge. I can speak for my, myself. This is a challenge to think in this way, to live your life in this way, uh, to depend upon the Lord and depend upon His provision. Because what do we do again and again and again? We go back to ourselves. We go back to doing it out of our own flesh. And we begin to compare with others. We begin to, to, to think about, well, how did they respond to me in this matter and that's going to determine how I feel about myself. And I begin to look at particular achievements in the past and, and, and to ask, are those achievements there now? And are, are they going to be there in the future? All of this is drawing from within. But Paul says here, what you, have to, what you have to know that you have with certainty is the Spirit of God within you so that you can look to Christ and to know that He provides everything that you need in order to sow today and therefore to reap tomorrow. He has done what? He has taken away the stain of death. He has done away with corruption. And so therefore you will reap eternal life. No longer should you grow weary in doing good when you don't see particular results come out of it, or you don't get the responses that you believe you should. It's the people of this world who are only able to find comfort in the things and in the responses uh, from the here and the now. But we have a glorious finish line that is ahead of us. And yes, the need is immense. But by God's grace, his provision and His grace is greater. You know, Paul's admonition here is to really uh, to stop striving to do good and ministering out of our own flesh, but to rest in the provision of the Lord. Now, we do, and we've got to face it, we need physical rest. We do need a, a break at times. But it's the Lord who provides that ongoing nourishment that we need in order to truly do good. In fact, instead of Paul here saying, if you're feeling this way, take a step back, what does he say in verse 10? He goes on to say, so then, as we have opportunity, 
Let us do good to everyone. He ups the ante. Let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. We see the priority there that we see again and again within God's Word because it is those who are of faith who are going to be that light to the world. And so that's where attention needs to be paid first, caring for those who are of faith, but all along seeking to draw upon that which the Lord has given us. And I have to go to these words out of, out of Isaiah chapter 40, uh, wonderful words that give us that right mindset in order to live our lives well. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Those are wonderful words. They're words that we need to take in, that we continue forward, that we persevere, knowing that the Lord will provide exactly what we need. So three things uh, for those who are of the Spirit in order to live our lives today in light of the great harvest that we have ahead. First of all, provide for spiritual growth. Always be about spiritual growth. Protect from deception, seeing yourself rightly, understanding, knowing where you are with the Lord, and therefore living out of that, and then finally persevering in doing good. Continuing on day after day, looking to God and continuing to do the good He has set before you. We are called to that we may reap eternal life. Please join me in prayer. Father, we thank You that in all these things that we can see that You are providing for those who are Yours. You call us again and again, even though we, we live in this world and, and, and we fall back and we continue to uh, look, at, look at ourselves. Uh, we continue to compare with others. We continue with the ways of the world. Yet you, you call us back again and again to, to recognize who we are and what we have and the blessings that you have given. Thank you, Lord. Open our eyes that we might see. Uh, help us to, day after day, to see these things, to take joy in them, and to see you as our God, that we might live as those who are your children. We pray for your help in Christ's name. Amen.